0: It's the 9th of November 2016, and Obama climate change advisor John Morton is looking on with resignation. A celebrity businessman, Donald Trump, takes the White House with 306 electoral college votes leaving liberal America in disbelief and geopolitics on a knife edge. For Morton, the ascendancy of Donald Trump marked the undoing of months of work he had done with the Obama administration to secure its legacy commitment to the Paris Agreement on climate change and establish a new global consensus on the environment. The new president quickly did away with all of that. It's now four years later, and though the fallout from Joe Biden's victory over Trump in November is still ongoing, Morton tells me in this episode that he could not be more optimistic about the new administration its aging leader and its stance on what he calls the greatest business opportunity of our lifetimes welcome to the new model advisor podcast i'm ollie smith I suppose it would really help me to get a broad overview of what your stance as a kind of climate change policy expert is on the kind of current situation in the US, how that could change, and then maybe a a few remarks about sort of the broader global picture and how perhaps the UK plays into that. So maybe start with the US.
1: Sure. So, I mean, um, the differences couldn't be clearer between the the outgoing and incoming administration uh, regarding climate change. On one hand, you have a, a president and administration that has been uh, outwardly uh, and aggressively uh, in opposition to any sort of forward moves in terms of tackling climate change. And on the other hand, you have an incoming president who has made climate change uh, a centerpiece of his of his campaign and of his uh, of his intentions um, during this during during the early days of his first term. So um, I think you're going to see a uh, dramatic change in um, not just the the rhetoric and the posture uh, um, on on climate change, but but on the types of actions that the uh, president-elect Biden and the people around him will will begin implementing as soon as they're in office, um, whether it's from you know, rejoining the Paris Agreement, as he said he will do on, on day one, uh, whether it's beginning to roll back uh, the many, many executive orders that, uh, that the, that the that current President Trump has, has put in place um, or whether it's um, you know, making um, climate change a, a, a centerpiece of the economic recovery plans um, and, and strategies for for the United States as we <clears throat> as we hopefully begin to emerge from Corona in 2021, you know each and every one of those uh, sets of actions are gonna are going to have um, climate change positioned toward toward or at the top of his um, of his domestic and international policy
0: agenda. Biden's clearly got a huge job on his hands. Actually, I think in in some ways bigger than the job that Obama had on his hands when he arrived, you know, in the midst of a financial crisis. Um, how I'm very interested to hear from your perspective, what is the overlap between making a kind of the American response to coronavirus successful, and in terms of a sort of economic, you know, response, and the ability that, you know, the US should have to emerging, you know, and continuing through the 21st century as a positive force in the world of climate policy is that is there an overlap there in terms of pivoting business um you know funding infrastructure projects recognizing the role that you know polluting companies have played historically and using their kind of need to change anyway as a you know as a platform very much to redesign the economy
1: yeah look absolutely and i think this is where this is where the um this is where I think we're going to see absolutely tremendous momentum over the, la- over the next decade. Um, I-, I would suspect far more than, uh, than what most people anticipate for the simple reason that, you know, with the US back in the climate uh, leadership game now, after four years of, um, of, of really not just absence, but opposition, mm-hmm. um, we, now, we now have three quarters, we will have soon, we will have more than three quarters of global GDP Countries representing more than three quarters of global GDP that have committed to a, for example, a net zero uh, economy-wide um, emissions target by the middle of the century. Um, what does that mean? Um, that means if you're an investor, if you're a business person, if you're a if if you're an investor short, uh, you know, a, a long-term investor, a pension fund uh, asset <coughs> allocator, a um, or a business planning your next round of R and D, you realize that carbon. Is no longer a uh, an unpriced externality, and it is increasingly a massive and an ever increasing liability. Um, And so, um, uh, you know, when I worked in government, we used to uh, we recognized that the strongest lever we had was to point a clear direction of travel with our policies and regulations because businesses and financial markets in particular follow those signals. And I think what you're seeing now from the US is a clear sign and what you will see very clearly as soon as Biden's in office is very specific signs that the direction of travel is toward a globally decarbonized economy. And that those companies, businesses, industries that are late to that game will, there, there will be consequences for that, financial consequences, first and foremost. And so I think you're right. We have a tremendous opportunity now to begin to show the that intention by how we um, allocate, essentially, essentially how we spend or invest the stimulus dollars that have, um, you know, that, that, that have been approved and that will be approved in the future. Um, and make sure that those are allocated in a, in a clean and green way. And by the way, I think you're going to see that. Those um, President Biden's already made, President elect Biden's already made clear that the that direction of travel, what it will be for the US. But I think you'll begin to see um, the US exert its influence in other fora as well. For example, through the development, the multilateral development banks, through, the, um, th- through, through its own bilateral um, uh, development lending uh, with the, the formerly OPIC, now DFC. And I think you'll begin to see the US. Uh, really prioritize lending in other countries and foreign aid for example to countries and to sectors that are consistent with the decarbonization agenda that the US will soon be um, putting first first and foremost and I think I think what what's exciting about this moment is that for years and years for the last for the last two decades we've treated climate change as a as it almost as a well as a, as the existential challenge and threat that it is to uh, to our current society. What we, I think, are beginning to realize at the same time is that the response to climate change, the, the transition to a global low-carbon economy, at the same time represents a seismic business job creation and wealth creation opportunity as industry after industry, sector after sector, transforms itself. Um, never before, I think, has a transition been this predictable uh, and this consequential in terms of its size and impact. And so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic because oftentimes when regulations and policies push against business, they move relatively slowly. But when they push with business uh, as they increasingly are doing, um, things move much, much faster than expected. And so these 2050, you know, net zero targets, while they seem, uh, and they are, you know, three decades away, if enough countries and enough, you know, enough countries point themselves in that direction and declare their intention in, in that way, there's no reason to think that financial markets and technology innovators cannot respond quickly and, and make those targets you know, uh, um, quite achievable and perhaps even faster than, than those longer-term targets are, are mm. set currently.
0: Um, fascinating to hear you talk about you know, the case for you know, investing people's money, I suppose, both at an institutional but also at a personal and private level. I think one one concern that we have as a publication is the you know the widespread uh, presence of greenwashing, particularly in the asset management world, where uh, you know climate change, as you say, and um, you know ethical investing has rightly been identified as a business opportunity. But I think uh, you know cynics wouldn't be incorrect to say that some of those uh, propositions put forward by institutional wealth managers and your fund houses have not been as sincere uh, and not been as transparent in their approach to um, you know truly divesting from pretty awful and damaging stocks as they should have been. Um, how concerned are you about that and and how concerned are you about um, how seriously big business will take that imperative?
1: So I think it's a concern and um, uh, I would say however, that I, f- I feel like it's a natural step in the evolution of a um, of a new and big market, and the sign that there is a uh, people see a benefit to greenwashing in, is in and of itself suggestive that uh, there's a premium on being green and that there's a willingness and a desire to uh, to be uh, to be seen as clean and sustainable, and 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 that. That in and of itself is a good thing. I think what we need to do now is begin to put some teeth into the, uh, essentially the kind of enforcement and transparency of uh, around climate disclosures. And of course, you probably track these issues carefully from your current perch, but I mean, the fact that I think financial institutions are increasingly aligning around the need for and currently volunteering, but perhaps very soon being forced to, uh being required to uh disclose the 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 climate intensity of their um of their assets and their holdings um i think will shed a tremendous amount of light on um the you know the practices of large financial institutions and large corporations i mean president biden has said that um you know he will early on his administration require all US public com- companies to disclose their uh, essentially their climate related or car- uh, carbon related um, exposure um, that level of transparency will be messy at first um, there will be people who try to hide and there will be people who uh, people who try to hide on purpose and people who, who hide on by accident because they don't quite know how to account for this uh, these these obligations but that's that that industry will develop. That um, that that the harmonization of standards, I think, will quickly evolve, and soon, I think, whether you're a, you know a retail consumer or a or a, you know of consumer products, or you're a, cons, a consumer of financial products, um, you're going to have the ability to understand uh, how your how your uh, you know your your the business you're patronizing is or is not uh, attacking or, or or treating climate. And that will be an extremely powerful driver, I think, of, of behavior um, in, within a period of, I, my guess, is the next three to four years we'll, we'll see that really emerge. So yes, greenwashing, I think, is a problem. I think it's a sign of a, it, it comes, it stems from the growth of an industry that we all want to see bigger. And I think we're going to see the, 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 the hardening and the uh, clear lines drawn around um, what it means to be uh, um, green or climate friendly. Um, in, in the years ahead,
0: do you think so? In essence, that you know, further and stricter disclosure rules will largely stamp that kind of practice out, or at least expose those who are who are doing it.
1: Uh, it will, look, it will make it harder to to um, it will make it harder to hide, and it will make yeah. it harder harder to uh, and and particularly among the larger you know the 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 highest highest polluting or the highest carbon intensity industries i think it will become increasingly hard to take that posture but look that's the you know that's that's kind of that's the stick that that you that that i think is often used to um and that may be necessary in order to 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 force a change in behavior The, the the carrot here is in um recognizing again you know that um uh, investments in lower-carbon alternatives, whether it's energy, whether it's transportation, whether it's battery storage, whether it's uh, you know lower-carbon regenerative agriculture, whether it's you know long-term sustainable forestry, those sectors are outperforming on a pure financial basis their higher-carbon intensity uh, competitors, uh, you know the established incumbents industries. Um, uh, we're not at a point anymore where there's a trade-off between economic growth and being climate-friendly or green. Uh, the sure. two things move in parallel and increasingly uh, will. Uh, with uh, so, I, I think financial institutions are, are are waking up to that to that um, to that reality. And the question now for them is how do they transition in a clear and clean manner without uh, you know causing too much market volatility? Uh, and I think. You know, our view uh, at at pollination is the longer the longer it takes for that transition to begin, the the more volatile that the transition will ultimately be. So, um, you know, begin now.
0: Mm. Um, I've got one more little question about Biden, and I'd like to ask you a little bit more about your role at Paul Nation, because it sounds like you have sort of tremendous clout and a, and a real platform there. Um, sure, and the I have pres-
1: a, I have about I have about six minutes left before sure. I have to jump. So yeah,
0: no problem at all. So uh, my question on on Biden would be, you know, uh, and I suppose the Democrats more generally. I mean, there's there's a view among sort of socialist cynics in this country that, and they're you know they're a small bunch of people, but. Um, you know that the Democrat Party has very much represented the acceptable face of kind of of of, of evil or wrongdoing. Uh, and that sounds a little bit strong, but um, you, you said know, the acceptable from face on
1: acceptable face on of of evil Sorry. and wrongdoing
0: uh-huh. yeah. of evil. And and yeah. uh, if you will allow me just to sort of explain that, I mean it's quite a st- strong way of putting it. But you know, I I feel as though uh, unfortunately the UK is heading in the same direction, but the 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 US has has got some. Pretty tumultuous social and economic issues. And, mm-hmm. you know, we all know where the Republicans' party stands on them uh, because the extreme right of the party was in power for five, for four, for four years and did very little about them. But I think that's been a very uh, uh, uncomfortable process for the Democrats because they've been sat there navel gazing, wondering, well, what on earth have we done about those issues? I mean, to turn back to the 90s and you know mandatory minimum sentencing and the ways in which the democrat party has pandered to big business has pandered to the right wing of american politics in a bid to gain power it seems to me as though that there is always going to be a place for politicians like joe biden to come in and act as a you know a party of compromise but ultimately to reduce the impact of progressive measures so i just wanted to get your take on that because i'm wondering you know Joe Biden, obviously, here of the hour, but how, how impactful can he actually be, given the potential constraints uh, in Congress upon him, and perhaps, you know, some of the deal making that he'll need to do with lobbyists, the corporate sector, but also, you know, people of different end of the political spectrum.
1: It's it's always um, difficult, if not impossible, to project how effective a president will be in advance of, um, of seeing uh, how how the, the the people and players uh around in this case him uh emerge so um all i would say is that if you look at um his top four policy priorities that he has made clear he's going to be focused on laser focused on on day one when he comes in um they would suggest that there is a recognition of the dynamics you just uh, described and a commitment to um to uh Taking uh, taking action to the extent that he is able to, given given the constraints around him, and particularly congressional constraints. Um, and those four issues, of course, are the COVID response, um, a you know, a just and fair economic recovery, um, racial equity, um, and climate change. And um, you know, those are a different set of four policy priorities or four priorities than you would you would have seen from any previous uh, administration, democratic or Republican. Mm. Um, and, you know, he has further made the case that he thinks that those four priorities are all very closely interrelated. Um, okay. and that, uh, climate change absent, uh, a focus on, uh, equity, uh, is, uh, is, is, is not, um, is not sufficient. Um, recovery, uh, you know, from COVID absent, uh, a focus on green, a green recovery and a fair and just recovery is not uh, appropriate. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see where he gets, but I think the intentions, uh, are clear and, um, hopefully a bit, a bit different from, from the way you did, you described.
0: Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, forgive my cynicism. No, um, no, no. Fair. Just on, uh, just, just on Obama. I mean, w- when you were sort of working with the Obama administration, what were the major kind of, uh, Pieces of pieces of policy advice, or the major trends and themes that you were pointing out at that time. I'm aware that it, you know it's a quite substantial period of time from 2008 to um, you know to 2016. But you just briefly describe your your involvement there and and what that was really like. Did you meet him?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. What was he like? Very impressive fellow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was an inspi- Yeah, he was an inspiring leader and uh and um and very comfortable. Very comfortable. Uh, um, uh, you know, I worked for, for five years, uh, for five of my seven years, I worked uh, as the chief operating officer at the Overseas Private Investment Corporation, or OPIC, where I was a presidential appointee there. And then I moved over to the White House for the final, for the final years, and he uh, was his senior, senior director uh, there. Um, and by that point in the administration, climate change was priority probably number one or two. Uh, You'll recall this was the time Paris Agreement was coming into uh, uh, had been signed and was coming into force climate diplomacy in terms of urging other countries in particular China to move with us and India to come quickly behind us was um, was very much the effort uh, that we were engaged with making kind of increasing ambition from the from the um, from the global community. and um, it, it was amazing to see what could what could be done in a relatively short period of time when you got the power of the Oval Office and a president as strong and as confident in his climate positions as Obama was. We we got a lot done in those in those final couple of years uh, on Was, was it
0: miserable to see Trump undo it all?
1: Uh, it was. It was. It was not a happy. Um, Several years for those of us who who believe that climate change is not only the, the biggest single threat that the world that the earth faces, but also, uh, as I said before, the biggest economic opportunity. And why an administration like this would uh, create so many self-inflicted wounds um, was uh, was and still is a mystery to me. I mean, the fastest growing job sectors in the U.S. are solar and you know solar PV installers and wind technicians. The fastest growing part of the U.S. energy sector is uh, is, our, is renewable energy. The uh, you know during on his watch we've seen battery technologies essentially shift very quickly to 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 China as we've basically said you know we're 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 not committed to a cleaner uh, uh, and more fuel efficient ele- uh, vehicle fleet. Um, yeah. All these things where that don't just have um, you know they're not just um, uh you know their 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 economic self wounds that that will i think have a have a long long-term effect and we have to reverse yeah. them now we have to
0: reverse. yeah sure yeah. um sort of hoisted on his own petard as we will say in this yeah. Um, yeah so just coming on to you know pollination what are you, what sort of strategic wins are you looking to do at, 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 looking to achieve at pollination and and who who are the sort of main targets of your work whose ear are you trying to to get
1: yeah. to so, at Pollination, I mean, as I said, we're a global advisory and investment firm. We work with uh, we work with corporations, financial institutions, governments, large nonprofits, et cetera, uh, in assisting them design and then implement their climate transition strategies. It's a it's a booming area of of work because as uh, because companies and governments uh, and uh, financial institutions realize that the future is is here and it's not a carbon intensive future. It's a it's a carbon-free future or a, or a low-carbon future uh, and, uh, and companies are making commitments but really don't um, have a clear understanding of how to realize those transitions and so we help uh, industries and companies um, uh, make uh, design those strategies and then implement those strategies
0: Essentially, um, in effect, to say that, you know, you need to think this through and think of a workable and sustainable strategy to, to see it through to its end.
1: Yeah, we help we help companies identify risks. We help them identify, you know, uh, um, uh, risks and opportunities in their current business plan and then help them understand how to move uh, as quickly as possible to a uh, more sustainable footprint. And platform which ultimately is in their long-term and perhaps even medium-term self-interest mm. economic and,
0: self-interest and just finally i mean could you just give me a perhaps an example of a case study of a specific firm you worked with where you know you feel you were instrumental in, in, in helping to do that or remain so
1: so we don't really speak much about our clients at the at the moment we've got we've got 40 some odd clients around the world okay. at the moment um and they range from from governments to large corporations uh the largest financial institutions in the world uh, the largest you know, nonprofits in the world. Um, so it's, uh, I would say. Could you describe it without naming it? Yeah. So we work with large uh, financial institutions in designing uh, their first climate, uh, climate investment fund uh, for emerging markets. Um, we work with large development banks, helping them think through how to finance the closure of high emitting, um, high carbon emitting assets uh, around the world. Um, we work with large nonprofits in helping them think through how to uh, it, how to design a conservation finance strategy, uh, a global conservation finance strategy. Um, we work with private equity funds, helping them identify uh, and diligence um, their existing portfolios to understand the extent to which those portfolios are exposed at the asset level to uh, to climate risk. Um, we work. In, in depth in carbon markets to help, under, to help pair uh, providers of carbon credits uh, in the natural capital space uh, with uh, potential um, corporate buyers of, 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 uh, of carbon credits. Um, yeah, so there's a whole host. I mean, I cannot, there's 10, 10 or 15 more, more pieces of work that we do, but those, those gives you a sense.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, I, and and then I imagine you've got to go, but you know, any more for any more, it seems like you're hopeful for for a you know large amount of progress uh, coming down the line in the next sort of four or five years.
1: Look, I think we're we're in a we're in a great place at the moment. We have an incoming president who is prioritizing climate action. Um, we have a, a global community that, despite the Trump administration's uh, lack of leadership and lack of action, has actually, in recent uh, months, really rallied around uh, specific and, and aggressive uh, long-term climate goals. And I think when the U.S. rejoins the high table of, um, of, of climate actors, uh, there is a lot of uh, uh, positive action that we will see in, 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 in the time ahead. And the fact that President Biden is, is making this one of his top priorities from day one gives me hope that um, the US is not going to simply uh, join as a rhetorical leader, but is going to join in action as well. And mm-hmm. that, that, is, um, that gives me great, great hope.